Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is to see everyone attend church and hear from God daily through His Word. The Bible reveals God's responses to various situations, and through daily devotions, we can reshape our thought patterns, transform our minds, and become more Christ-like. Join us here every Monday through Friday as different pastors and leaders from Fusion Church provide insightful devotions and teachings based on the day's scripture. For the current SOAP reading plan, visit fusionchurch.cc soap and join us as we deepen our understanding and relationship with God. Well, good morning, everyone. Is everyone doing okay? Glad to see you all this morning. It is also Daniel Fast Week, so today is the day, and we are in Daniel 1. So I'm going to pray, and then um, Nicole will read for us, and then we'll jump in. So let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for this day. We thank you that um, for the next three weeks, uh, as we are immersed in um, Seeking you in fasting and prayer, that you would bless, that you would show up, that you would reveal, that you would bring um, just revelation to each one. So, Father, we just commit this time to you. Um, we pray that you would just give us um, direction and just revelation as we look into your word. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we are in Daniel 1. And whenever you're ready to call, you can take it away. Okay. Uh, good morning. Uh, we're in Daniel 1. I am reading out of the NIV uh, version, uh, starting in verse 1. In the third year of the reign of Joachim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hands, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. Young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that, after that, they were to enter the king's service. Among those who were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, the name Belshazzar, Belf, Belshazzar uh, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Mesach, Mesach, and to Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Now God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel, but the official told Daniel, I'm afraid of, of my lord the king who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. Daniel then said to the guard from the chief official, whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. 
At the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning, and Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all of the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. And Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. All right. Thanks, Nicole. Here we are, Daniel 1. Let's just do a little bit of um, scene setting. So during this approximate time, so Daniel lived in the 6th century before the birth of Jesus. Um, During this approximate period in the world, there was a lot of things going on. So uh, construction had begun on the Acropolis in Athens. The Mayan civilization was flourishing in Mexico. Aesop wrote his fables. I thought that was interesting. Um, Confucius and Buddha lived during this time. Um, Greece was flourishing in terms of art and that kind of stuff. So Greek art was starting to excel. Um, The Greeks introduced the olive tree to Italy. And the Phoenicians made the first known sea journey around Africa. So there's a lot of stuff happening in the world outside of Judah, Egypt, and this area. All right, so that's kind of the the behind-the-scenes happenings. So let's look at verses. I'm going to kind of go through verse by verse, and then we'll look at a summary at the end. So in verse 1 and 2, it says, Joachim, king of Judah. Now, um, Joachim was a Judean king placed on the throne by Pharaoh of Egypt. Um, His name means Yahweh raises up, but we know that the Lord did not raise him up at all, but Pharaoh did. So even his name is deceiving. Um, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. Now, he was the ruler of the Babylonian Empire, and his name, um, which I'm not going to try and say this other word, but basically means Nebu protects the crown. And Nebu is a minor Babylonian deity. So again, they are trying to take on these personas of these false gods that they follow. So let me just scroll down. So Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. Now, Nebuchadnezzar came against Jerusalem because the pharaoh of Egypt invaded Babylon. And in response, the young prince Nebuchadnezzar defeats the Egyptians at um, Tarmashish, and then he pursued all their fleeing army all the way down Sinai. Um, And then along the way, or possibly on the way back, he subdues Jerusalem, which had been loyal to the pharaoh of Egypt. So this happens around 605 BC. Um, It was the first encounter between Nebuchadnezzar and Joachim, but not the last. Um, 
about eight years, eight, nine, ten years later, there's two other um, invasions. Now, this specific attack, which is mentioned by Daniel, um, is actually documented by the Babylonian Chronicle. So there is a collection of tablets discovered around 1887, which actually documents Nebuchadnezzar's presence in Judah. So very interesting, if you Google that, the Babylonian Chronicles, you can actually read up on some of this, a lot of this documented. All right, so it says, in the third year of the reign, so Daniel's talking about, um, it's basically the fourth year, but the way that Daniel's using the Babylonian method of tracking the calendar of the king's reign, because um, some people would say there is a conflict with Jeremiah 46.2, which says it was the fourth year. It's actually, they're actually saying the same thing because Jeremiah used the Jewish method of looking at the calendar, but Daniel was looking at the Babylonian method. So just a little interesting fact there. Um, it says, and the Lord delivered Joachim, king of Judah, into his hand. Um, so in so around this uh, year 597 BC, in this deportation, uh, which is also described in 2 Kings 24, 14 to 16, the Lord gives Judah into the hands of the Babylonians um, for mainly two reasons that we can consider here. Um, the first was Israel's idolatry, right? So they were not following God's ways. They were again falling back into their um, idolatry ways, which we know God says, <laughs> worship the one true God, right? There's only one true God. Um, the second reason was their failure to observe the Sabbaths of the land. So Leviticus 25, 1 through 7 and 26, 2 through 35 talks about this. Essentially, um, Judah stepped outside of God's guidelines for living, right? And when we do that, what happens? We step outside of his blessing, right? When we don't follow God's plans and all for our lives, we step outside of the blessing that God has for us. And Judah had done the same thing. So in um, 587 BC, um, part of the temple was destroyed. Um, and it says some of the furnishings, some of the articles from the temple of God were taken. So Nebuchadnezzar doesn't take everything, but he takes some. And the whole point of him doing this was the confiscation of these items and bringing them to Babylonian temple was to show that my God is better than your God, which we know is not true. And in some ways, the God of Israel now had to vindicate himself. So the Babylonians are trying to make a point here, even though it's a futile point. Okay. Um, hold on a second. I would jump into the notes to check what's going on in the chat, and I lost my place. I'm back. Okay. So... This was kind of a low time for Judah and God's people because it seemed like the God of Israel had lost out to the gods of Assyria, Egypt, and Babylon, which we know is not true. But the book of Daniel shows that God vindicates himself at a time when the conquest of Israel might have brought God's reputation into some question, right? 
So um, let's look at verses three to four. And if we had to put a heading on this, uh, we could say this was Babylon's system of indoctrination. So the best and the brightest of Jerusalem's young men are chosen and taken to Babylon. So some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility are taken. So he didn't, didn't only take holy things from the temple, but he also took the brightest and potentially um, those who were the future leaders were taken. Um, and most likely these young men were in the range of 13 to 17, maybe a little older, but these were um, the potential of Judah's future, these young men. And it says, those who were qualified to serve in the king's palace. So um, Nebuchadnezzar is showing us that he's actually a pretty wise administrator and a shrewd tactician because he's taking these young men as hostages um, in some ways to remind the people back in Jerusalem that they should not revolt against the recently imposed Babylonian rule. Because not only did I um, take your people, but I took your leaders with me, and now he's going to indoctrinate them. Okay, so in Babylon, these Hebrew youths are groomed for civil service, right? So it talks about a period of three years that they're going to be trained for, um, they're going to be given a signed amount of food and wine from the king's table. Okay. Um, now, there's a lot of significance in those statements. So, now it was a given that they would be given um, food and training, but they were going to be given the same food and wine prepared for the king which was intended as a special honor. So in the ancient world, there was much more, um, there was a bigger difference between the food that common people ate and that the elite ate. So there's a big difference here. And we'll, we'll get into that a little more in a second. Now, in addition, the chief official tries to get, or it does give them new names. So let's, Talk a little bit about that. So the name Daniel means God is my judge, was changed to Belteshazzar, which means Bell's prince, um, which is a foreign um, god, right? The name Hananiah, meaning beloved by the Lord. So all of their names are godly names, right? Is changed to Shadrach, meaning illumined by the sun god. So again, a pagan god. The name Mishael, meaning who is as god, was changed to uh, Meshach, meaning who is like Shak, which again is a Babylonian goddess. And the name, as, as I can't even say this, Azaria, meaning the Lord is my help, was changed to Abednego, Means meaning servant of Nego again, a pagan god. So, um, the chief official is trying to change the identity. We'll get into that in a in a moment. So they were they were to be trained for three years, and the purpose of the food, the names, the education was simple, right? 
This was an effort at total indoctrination with the goal of making these young Jewish men leave behind a Hebrew God and their culture. So huge effort has been taken to completely change them, um, to attempt to change their culture. Um, so he wanted to, so Nebuchadnezzar was trying to communicate to them, look to me for everything. But Daniel, of course, and his friends refused, insisting that they would look to God, right? So they were not willing to give up the identity. The Babylonians were trying to change the identity by giving them names associated with other gods. So question. Question is, do you know your true identity in Christ like Daniel and his friends did? Are you deeply rooted in your relationship with Christ? Why does it matter, right? Well, Pastor Brennan preached on this um, in the Deeply Rooted series. Um, identity stops us from being blown over when the storms of life come, right? Um, it stops us from losing our faith, losing hope. So we need to have that true identity so that we can overcome the world's attempt to change or confuse our identity, right? Now, Satan uses a similar strategy against believers today, right? He wants to indoctrinate us into the world system. Satan wants us to identify, right, name us in reference to the world. He wants to feed us what the world offers, right? And we know that's not always the best thing. And he wants to educate us in the ways of the world, but we know that the true, our true identity comes from God's word, right? It comes from the things that God says about us. So we have to resolve uh, ourselves to be like Daniel, to be faithful. So of course we can we see in verse eight that Daniel does resolve to be faithful. And it says, but Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. So the ancient Hebrew word for um, defile, it carries this idea or thought of polluting or staining. You can also take a look at Isaiah 59, verse 3, or Zephaniah 3, 1, uh, Malachi 1, 7. And Daniel requested, and can you guys all just mute yourselves? I'm hearing a couple of people there. Um, Daniel requested the request that he might not defile himself implies that, it, that he explained the spiritual basis for his request. Um, it didn't make it seem that he wanted to avoid the king's food out of other reasons. So it says, therefore, he requested. Daniel made a big deal of a little thing. Um, the only way to go on with God is to be faithful in the little things, right? So the question, another question for you. What are the little things that you need to be faithful in? Maybe in your workplace, at home. Um, I don't know, in your with your family, is it the fact that maybe you let something slide to fit in? Um, 
The question is, are the things you say and do God-honoring or not? So what are the little things in your life that you need to look at? So think about that. All right. So Daniel realized that his relationship with God touched every area of his life, including what he ate. Um, and if you think about it, the root of sin goes back to eating forbidden food, right? So food has played a big part in our history. Um, Daniel and his friends considered the king's food defiled for a couple of reasons or several reasons. Um, probably it wasn't kosher. Secondly, it was probably sacrificed to idols before. Um, third, eating the king's food implied fellowship with Babylon's cultural system, right? So alignment with Babylon's cultural system. Um, Daniel did not object to the name given to him because he knew who he was and others could not, others could call him what they wanted. And if you look in the chat there, uh, what people call us or say about us does not change our character or identity in Christ. Thank you, Nicole, for that. So the name someone calls you does not define who you are in Christ. And Daniel knew that. Um, Daniel did not object to the Babylonian education because he knew what he believed, right? So he was open to learning things, but he didn't compromise on what he believed. Daniel did not object to the food from the king's table because, or he did object to the food from the king's table because eating it was a direct disobedience to God's word. So another question, what do you believe, right? What is your clear set of values? Do you have a clear set of values like Daniel? Um, if not, I would encourage you to define a set of values for yourself that, of course, are based on the word of God. Um, so here's one of, one of Daniel's values was um, wine. So God does not forbid drinking wine. Uh, but in pagan cultures, most wine and meat was dedicated to the gods, to pagan gods. So Daniel and his friends refused it, um, not because it was forbidden, but just because of the association and the message it would send. So he asked. So Daniel makes a request, right? So he asked the chief, can I not do this? And it was Pretty courageous of him to do this, especially because he's the one that's in captivity. And it was a hard decision to make. So it was a hard decision to make because why? Um, because the king had ordered the menu. So rejecting the menu was, in effect, rejecting the king and could result in punishment. So, again, there's consequences and a cost to making the decisions we, we make. Um, it was a hard decision because refusing the food, it may have branded them as being uncooperative, and that would have spoiled all the chances of advancement, which only matters because, because that allowed him to have influence, right? It was a hard decision because there was a th threat of punishment, right? So we know that. Ancient kings were known for the severe and sadistic punishments against those who crossed them. 
uh, Nebuchadnezzar himself was was capable of great cruelty. Um, he murdered the sons of one king of Judah before the king's own eyes and then gouged out his eyes. So um, this guy is known for his great cruelty. I'm going to go down a little bit. Uh, it was a hard decision because distance, right? They were far away from their home, made this challenging. So separation from home and family um, could make it easy to compromise, but he chose not to do that. It was a hard decision uh, because it was easy to think that God had let them down by allowing them to be carried away to into Babylon. Um, these exiles kidnapped from Jerusalem might have said, why should we risk our neck for a God? Let me down. Yet they were committed to obedience, even if God did not fulfill their expectations. Think about that. They were committed to obedience, even in the situation they were in. So question, what are some hard decisions you need to make? That will align you with God's will. What is the Holy Spirit whispering to you today? Or as we go into this time of fasting and praying, what are some things that God is asking you to take action on? What are some hard things that you need to do? So Daniel um, resolved in his heart um, that he would not compromise, right? So Daniel was positive. Um, it allowed him to find favor with his superiors. Daniel demonstrates that protest must be courteous. Uh, I thought this was fascinating. So Daniel makes a request to be excused from the king's table, but he makes a polite request showing discretion and the point is that making a stand for Jesus Christ does not mean we need to be obnoxious, right? So our character will demonstrate things to people. People will see things um, in us, the way we act, the things we say and do, right? It sends a very loud message. So what message are we sending through our actions? So um, self-denial, right, is important. Daniel and his friends knew that this would cost them something, yet they were, they were willing. So the question is, are we willing to be tested, right? Are we willing to make a stand without being obnoxious? Are we willing to be tested, right? Are we ready for name-calling? Are we already ready for a loss of friendship because we take a stand, because we're willing to be tested? Um, there is a cost to following Christ, right? The way we allow ourselves to be tested might be the thing that causes someone else to make a decision to follow Christ. Think about it, right? Um, looking in the chat, there's a note from Deb. They were blessed by God because of their obedience and taking a stand to follow Christ. When we choose God's way, right, we align ourselves with the blessing he has for us. 
So let's talk about the results of Daniel's decision, right? So God gives Daniel favor and goodwill with authorities. Um, God does not abandon those who stand for him. Daniel entrusted himself to God and God came through. Um, I'm sure it was a stretching experience for Daniel and his friends. But God moved on authorities, so they regarded Daniel with favor. And God also worked through the wise actions of Daniel to cultivate his favor, right? So Daniel becomes influential. Um, Daniel suggests the plan. So I mean, this is verses 10 through 13, where he says, please test your servants. And Daniel sees the situation through the official's eyes because um, he didn't want the official to pay the price for Daniel's conscience, right? So you know, Daniel was saying that he was willing to put himself and his faith in God to the test. Now, this, this could have gone many other ways, right? They could have done a hunger strike. They could have had some kind of protest. And instead, he makes a polite request, and he says, put us to the test, because Daniel knows who his God is. So Daniel made a godly and wise compromise, and he says, give us nothing but vegetables to eat and drink. And we read the rest of that where it shows that they actually uh, looked healthy and better nourished than any of the other young men who ate the royal food. So in the testing, we have a win, right? We have a conclusion. So I'm going to scroll down a little bit. So what does God do? Um, Daniel and his friends are blessed and promoted. So to these four young men, God gave knowledge, understanding, and all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kind. And so they become uh, favored in the eyes of the king, right? They are, I'm just going to scroll down a little bit. Okay. So let's just take a few minutes here just to summarize what we can learn from Daniel and his friends. So one is... We have to be faithful in adversity, right? God shows up um, in, the in the tough times, and it teaches us the importance of maintaining our integrity and values, even in adverse or tough situations. Uh, number two, Daniel was resilient, right? So Daniel um, and his friends were subjected to cultural assimilation, um, their names were changed, attempt to change their diet and education. And just shows the importance of resilience in the face of cultural societal changes. And the important point is, do you know your identity in Christ? If not, <laughs> go look at the word, right? God says, you are beloved, you are um, I gave my only son for you because I love you so much. God says you adopted, right? So um, if you're having trouble with identity in Christ, just look at the word Google identity in Christ and you'll find tons of verses on that. Uh, point three, 
Daniel had discipline and self-control, so he chose not to defile himself. He chose to make the hard decision. He chose to have self-discipline. What are some things that you need to do to improve your um, discipline and self-control? Right. What are some things that you might need to start doing or stop doing um, in this new year? Uh, point four is Daniel was dependent on God, right? So throughout throughout this story, Daniel seeks God's guidance and his intervention through prayer and trust in God at all times, right? So trusting in God's wisdom is a powerful lesson, right? And we have to acknowledge our dependence on God, especially during challenging times. That's why we need um, Christian friends. We need Christian community. We need to celebrate together on Sundays. Right? That's why um, we don't do life alone. Uh, point five, um, Daniel had wisdom and intelligence. Daniel and his friends were known for their wisdom and intelligence, which came from God. So this highlights the value of seeking knowledge, wisdom, and understanding and recognizing that these qualities can be a gift from God if we press into that. Uh, the last two is Daniel had courage to challenge authority. And Daniel demonstrates courage, you know, when he asks for a different diet, when he interprets the king's dreams, and this shows that there are times when standing up what for what is right, even in the face of adversity or authority, is important. But the way we do that should be like Daniel, right? Daniel was polite and not obnoxious. And finally, um, what we are learning is that God is sovereign, right? So the overarching theme of the book is the sovereignty of God. You know, the events in Daniel 1 set the stage for the larger narrative, which happens later um, in Daniel, emphasizing that even in exile and in foreign lands, um, even when life is hard, when things are not going as we expect, God remains in control. And so as you head into um, this Daniel fast, now what is God asking you to do? Um, which of these application points or questions are going to be relevant to you what do you need to change are you clear on your identity in christ are there some little things that you've compromised on that god's asking you to take action on um just be open and listening to the holy spirit uh bottom line is be like daniel right be strong um remember that god is in control and um, I pray that you've learned something from Daniel today and that you'll continue to grow as we head into this season of prayer um, and fasting. Thank you guys for being on this morning. Let me pray for you all. Father, we thank you that um, you are always in control. Um, even of times of adversity, Father, we pray that... Um, as we consider some of the questions we've had today, that you would give us um, answers, that you allow us to formulate responses. Father, we pray that we would grow. We pray that we would um, 
draw closer to you, Father. We pray that even when things are hard, like it was for Daniel, that we would not compromise, that we would stand on your word, Father, and know that um, we would, that we should always have an eternal mindset, knowing that this life is short, but eternity is forever. So, Father, I pray that you would use us, that our actions, the things we say and do, would point others to you so that we can build your kingdom, so that we can um, invite others into the same relationship we have with you. Father, I pray a blessing on each one today. Father, I pray for revelation for those who are stepping into the spiritual journey um, of fasting and prayer. And Father, we pray that, um, that you would just bring revelation, that you would bring breakthrough. And Father, I'm excited to hear the stories in a few weeks' time of what you have done. So, Father, we just commit this day to you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, everybody. Have a great day.